God, I need your grace. Ephesians 3 says it this way, my task, Paul is talking about the call of God upon his life. He said, my task is to bring out into open and make plain what God has been doing. Through Christians like yourselves who are gathered in churches, this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about even among the angels. That's the message translation. He's talking about an extraordinary move. It's a sense of going beyond the natural to the supernatural, the usual to get to the unusual. This is the opposite of common, normal, or ordinary. God says your life does not need to be common, normal, or ordinary. It needs to be based upon the power of God that's operating in your life. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. If you have your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, I've got a long way to go and a very short time to get there. Today I start a series on God's grace. We talk about everything in this church that we believe God's word directs us to talk about. We, we talk about heaven. We talk about hell. We talk about the times past and the times to come. We talk about sin. We talk about righteousness. Well, this next few weeks, I am very excited because I want to talk about the one thing that gives you and I the ability to live righteous and holy lives in an unrighteous and unholy world, and that is God's grace. The title of your message is God's grace is because of God's goodness. And I want to make several poignant statements today. And I'm going to ask you to underline things in your notes. And then when I get to the place, I'm actually going to ask you to fix some biblical errors that are in your notes. So you don't go try to look these scriptures up and say, well, that doesn't have anything to do. Uh, it was a typo, and so I want to fix that because it really bothered me as I was going through my notes last night. It just happened to have got into your notes. <clears throat> so I changed it in my notes, and now I'm going to ask you to change it in yours. God's grace is very simply defined by so many people as unmerited favor, as salvation, as the forgiveness of sins. But I want us to understand, yes, it is all of those things, but it is so much more. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says this this way, 
while we were still sinners, Christ died. Look at somebody and say, that doesn't sound like a very fair trade. While Glenn was still out partying hardy, don't worry, it's not just Glenn, it was Bill Weaver too. And it was Anita Barkdahl back here too. Not to mention Mark Hassenfluke. I mean, it's just the reality is when we're out partying hardy, Jesus said, I love you enough, I'm going to die for you. Why? We had to have the death before we could have the grace. And Romans 2 says it this way, it is the goodness of God that leads you and I to him. He didn't wait for you to clean up your act. I, I, I tell people all the time, they say, well, pastor, I'm, I'm too bad to go to church. And I'll turn it around and I'll say, guys, when's the last time you got cleaned up to take a bath? How many, how many, well, don't show your hand. Maybe somebody in here does that. <laughs> you get washed up, you get all cleaned up and spiffed up just to jump in the bathtub. No, you jump in dirt and all, don't you? Amen. Sometimes when you clean that ring around the bathtub, you got to take a chisel out of so much dirt. Amen. I got one amen out of that. John, shout amen back there, would you? <laughs> but that's what our life is. It's just caked on crud and sin. And God said, tell you what, I love you so much, I'm going to be good to you before you even think about being good to me. And my goodness is going to lead you to repentance. Let's jump in quickly to our text, 2 Corinthians 12. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Paul, the apostle, one of the most anointed men in all of scripture, two-thirds of the New Testament, was penned through Paul's hand as the Holy Spirit moved upon him. And this is what this passage is talking about. And he said, God, I've asked you three times to remove this from me. And God said to him, underline this in your notes, please. My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And then Paul says, therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmity then that the power of Christ rests upon me. And I want you to put an asterisk or a bar or or whatever around this next phrase. Because this is Paul speaking grace. This is Paul speaking what he understands to be the power of God operating his life. He's in I will take pleasure in my infirmity, in my reproaches, in my needs, in my persecutions, in my distresses for Christ's sake. And then underline this last phrase, for when I am weak, that's when I become strong. Now, I want you to look at me real quick. Let me just make this real simple modern day English. You and I will never be able to live a righteous life. You and I will never be able to live a holy life. You and I will never be able to live a godly life. Except for the grace of God. See, this is what Paul's saying. I know I'm weak. But God, when I realize 
that when I'm the weakest, that's when your strength prevails. I'm going to boast in my infirmities. I'm going to say, God, okay, I know I mess up. Anybody here besides me mess up? Okay, good. We got a few honest folks. And Paul is talking here, and he is pinning these words. The Holy Spirit is speaking, and the Lord says, my grace is sufficient for you. Now let me take you all the way to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. The Bible says very plainly, it's by grace through faith that we're saved. It's by grace. I was listening to Josh McNall. Some of you know him. He's a great uh, expositor of, of, uh, of uh, Christianity and, and the word of God. He was an atheist that set out to prove God's word wrong and wound up becoming one of the greatest spokesmen for Jesus in this modern century. He said, you're not saved by faith. People raise their eyebrows. Just like today. Well, it's all about faith. It's all about faith. It's all about... No. It's all about grace. It's by grace you're saved. Not by faith. Are you okay? But it's by faith that we live in grace. Am I making sense today? It's by grace you're saved through faith... And then here comes that weakness and strong part, which is not of yourself. It's a gift of God. Am I making sense today? You see, there's never a truer statement. By grace, my grace is sufficient. There's never been a truer statement made. If we just think about it, have you ever been going good, things are going great, and then all of a sudden you hit a brick wall? Ever had that happen? Things are going good. You're on your job. I mean, you're just blowing and going. You're making good money. You got a good paycheck. You got good consistency. You got good uh, uh, solidity in it. And all of a sudden, you get a pink slip. What's that all about? It's called life. Say, Pastor, that's that's a pretty pretty poor excuse. You have a better one. It is what happens in your life, and it is what happens in mine. Seemingly, out of nowhere, a crisis hits me, hits you. It might be a personal tragedy. What do I do? Though the answer is very hard, the answer is very simple. In this, like Paul, we take heart because we're not alone. We are there with him, and he is there with us. John 16, it's on the screen. But look at this, what he says here. The time is coming, and the fact is that you're all going to be scattered, each to your own home. What that literally is saying, you're going to go back to doing what you used to do. Look at me real quick. Did you ever notice that when you fall out of the things of God, you always go right back into the sin you used to live? You go right back into the life you used to live. You see, we love familiarity. That's one of the problems we have with Christianity is we don't like all the change and the growth and the challenge that God brings to our lives. Because even though, even though God loves you just like you are and he loves me just like I am, he loves me too much to leave me that way. Amen. And that's what God's continually trying to do. Look what he says. You're going to go back to doing your own thing and you're going to leave me all alone. And I want you to underline this in your notes. It's right there in John 16. Yet I 
am not alone because my father is with me. And then Jesus went on and said, I've told you all these things because in this world, you're going to have problems. But in me, in me, say that with me, in me, you're going to have peace. And then Jesus said these words, circle it, underline it, put brackets around it. He said, take heart. I have overcome the world. Can somebody shout amen to the glory of God? You see, Paul is at sea now. He's going to Rome. He gets on a ship and he's headed to see uh, 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 Caesar. He's on this ship and before they ever left the, the shore, he said, guys, we shouldn't do this. I I sense there's going to be much harm. And they set out anyway. And we know the story And in the scriptures. They wind up shipwreck on an isle of Malta. But Paul is in the middle of this storm. He's in the middle of this struggle. He's in the middle of this circumstance. He didn't plan it. He didn't ask for it. But he is in the middle of it. Can somebody say amen? Is anybody relating to this at all? And in Acts 27, I mean, the ship is being plummeted. The ship is going to go down. And Paul comes up and says, I want to encourage you. None of your lives will be lost, but the ship will go down. I don't know how much encouragement that would bring to me. But he said, you're not going to die, but your ship is going to go down. So how is it that Paul could be so confident? He knew something that we have to get to know. That no matter what, God was still there. He didn't wonder. He didn't ponder. He knew God was with him. He knew God's grace was there. Let me interchange that word for just a moment. He knew God's power to take the impossible and make it possible was there. Let's go back to Ephesians 2. It's by grace you're saved. Romans chapter 1 verse 17 says that there's a righteousness revealed from God, from heaven, that enables you and I to become righteous, to live righteous, to become the men, the women that God called us to be. You see, Paul came to a place of understanding in the years that he walked for the Lord. He was in the conscious presence of God in the face of danger. You see, Paul grabbed a hold and began to understand what God's grace was. As I study God's word, I find that grace literally means God's empowerment in our lives. Throughout scripture, grace is often referred to as the power of God that gave the apostles the success they had. It gave the unbelievers the ability to believe. Remember, it's his goodness. But it also gave the believers the ability to do all they could do. Now, I need to put a little asterisk right there by that place. In your notes, it says Luke chapter 4 verse 33 doesn't it is that what it says in your notes i see everybody's watching their notes aren't they Hmm. 
It says Luke there. All of those Lukes are wrong. They're supposed to be Acts. Yeah, every one of those Lukes that are in that section, uh, 433, 11, 23, 13, 34, 14, 26, 18, 27, and 20, 32. Those are all supposed to be the book of Acts. I was studying the notes, uh, going through them again last night, and I'm thinking, how did I write? Well, I know why, because Luke, it, most people believe Luke wrote uh, the book of Acts, and I was reading some other references. So anyway, take a little note and say all these references are the book of Acts, not the book of Luke. That way you make sure you get the right scriptures. Okay. Is everybody okay that I fix that? See, Paul understood something. Paul got a front row seat in the school of grace. Paul knew that no matter what struggle he was to face, that God would give him what he needed at the exact time he needed it. Let me say that again. God would give him exactly what he needed at the exact time that he needed it. Now let me segue to you and I today. It's the same way in your life. You might have got hit with a pink slip. I know there's the old adage in the church world, or one door, one door closes, another one opens. I believe that is true. But you might have to knock down a few walls to get to the right door. Amen. Just because one closed doesn't mean that open one is automatically going to be found. We still have to take Listen, a step of faith to see God's grace come to fruition. We still have to step out of the boat if we're going to walk on the water. We're going to still have to leave that closed door if we're ever going to see the open door. Our text, Paul is talking, and he's talking about a thorn in the flesh. Nobody knows exactly what it was, yet he asked the Lord three times to take it away. And Paul's response from God was simply, my grace is sufficient. Let me break that down. In other words, what God was saying, Paul, don't worry. I will make a way, I will be the way, and with you always I will stay. But it will be done my way regardless of the way you think. See, God's grace is the thing that we need more than anything in this life. Let me give you some scriptures here that give kind of an idea of God's grace in operation. Second Peter 1, grace and peace be multiplied to you as his divine power, as his divine grace has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. One of the prayers that I pray probably more frequently than any is, God, I need your grace. God, I need your grace. Ephesians 3 says it this way. My task, Paul is talking about the call of God upon his life. He said, my task is to bring out into open and make plain what God has been doing. Through Christians like yourselves who are gathered in churches, this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about even among the angels. That's the message translation. He's talking about an extraordinary move, a sense of going beyond 
the natural to the supernatural, the usual to get to the unusual. This is the opposite of common, normal, or ordinary. God says your life does not need to be common, normal, or ordinary. It needs to be based upon the power of God that's operating in your life. On Wednesday night, I was talking in our class on the love of God. And I went into John 10.10, and I gave an exposition about what that passage is actually talking about. It's talking about religion. It's talking about, yes, the thief is the enemy, but who is the author of religion? It's not God. God's the author of relationship. In John 10.10, it says the thief comes only but to steal, kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life. And that more abundant, I love the message translation, says, I have come that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they've ever dreamed of. This operates through the power of God that works in your life and mine. You see, God's grace in our lives is the present, literally, the literal power giving us the ability to go beyond the natural circumstances. People will look at you. They'll look at me when I'm going through something. How in the world are you going through that? The grace of God. How are you facing that? The grace of God. They, they, They may sit back and just shake their head. Oh, you're one of those religious fanatics. No, I'm understanding where my power comes from. I understand where my source comes from. I understand who is the, the, the rock and the fortress in my life. This is the aspect of grace that, that we don't hear about a lot. Why? Because we have been so geared as to understand, well, God's grace means he's going to provide everything for you. Different Bible. God's grace means he's going to work everything through you. So let's go back to Ephesians. See, God's grace is the power that literally gives us the ability to go beyond the natural. To stand when others fall. To believe when others don't. And to go on when others quit. Ephesians 2, once again. By grace, when you believe, is how God saved you. We can't take credit for it. It's God's gift. Salvation is not a reward for good things we've done, which is the reason we can't boast about it. It's all God's grace. We forget to realize that God's primary function of grace in our life is to empower us and enable us to do the things we do in life through Christ. For this is where our strength and hope comes from. Quickly as we continue on, grace is not natural enabling. Grace is supernatural empowerment. We have been empowered by God to overcome life's natural dilemmas. That's why Paul could say, whether I have much or I have little, I've learned to be content. Whether everything is taken care of or nothing is taken care of, I know that I can stand and rejoice in God. In, back in our text, he said, my grace is all you need. And I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. For my power works best in weakness or human inability. 
We can't take credit. We can't take recognition for this. You see, God is with us right now, regardless of the struggle, regardless of the shipwreck. We may not hear an audible voice, but we will hear a still small voice that will bring encouragement and strength and confidence that we can do all things. In John 1, it says, all fullness has been given and received and grace for grace. Literally, when you go into the original Greek, it says, we have all the ability that is in Jesus Christ himself at our disposal. One of my favorite books was by a man named Alan Redpath. And it was called Blessings Out of Buffetings. And it's talking about this passage in Romans, or 2 Corinthians. And I've made this statement before over the years, but this is where that statement came from. He said, at salvation, we have everything that God has for us. The minute you get saved, everything is yours. But we will only receive as much as through faith in Jesus Christ we'll reach out and take. A lot of times, because we don't want to step out in faith, we never experience the grace that God has provision for your life and for mine. In John 14, he said, I tell you the truth. Anyone that believes in me, the same works that I do, you will do and even greater. Why? Because in the book of Acts, the Bible says he gave us the unlimited power of the Holy Spirit. Second Peter 1 says his divine power has given us everything we need to live a godly life. Though these Through these, he has given us a great and precious promises so that through them, we may participate in that divine nature. The word nature in that passage means the central qualities or the character of a person. In other words, you and I have received the central qualities and characters of Jesus Christ himself. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 2 that we have the mind of Christ. This is why I've made this statement for many, many years. It's never an issue of knowing what to do. It's always an issue of doing what you know. We know what to do in every situation. It's just whether we will do it. Let me wrap this up this morning. God's grace is ours now. Not at some later or eternal point in life. 1 John chapter 3. What marvelous love the Father has extended to us. Just look at this. We're called children of God. And that's who we are. That's exactly who we are. Children of God. And that's only the beginning. When we realize, like Paul, that right now, the Lord is in control of every area of our life, then we can rest assured that no matter what is happening, we are in his presence. In Romans chapter 10, verse 13, and I'm going to get to this again, but the scripture says, all that call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That word saved means preserved from ultimate evil, finality of injury or destruction, spared. It doesn't mean we're not going to have problems or difficulties, but ultimately delivered from. 
as we call upon the Lord, maybe it's a place that we don't want to be right now. Maybe you're in a situation in this room and you say, you know, pastor, I, I've been here. I've been here for a while. Well, folks, Paul was in prison when he wrote these words and he said, let me encourage you because the Lord's encouraging me all alone. Paul said, no one stood with me yet. The Lord was right beside me. Can I tell you something? His ship wasn't coming in. His ship was going down, and he knew that God was with them. I want you to look at me just for a second. You may be at a crossroad of your life. You may be frustrated beyond measure. You may be impaled with circumstance and situation that is just causing you endless sleepless nights or irritations and aggravations. Do you know where Jesus is? Well, I know since I've been preaching, oh, he's right there with me. Is he really? I can say you most assuredly he is. But are you living like he is? Are you standing like he is? Are you trusting like he is? See, Paul, there, there was no question. His ship wasn't coming in. It was going down. But he still said, God is with me. I'm not worried about any of this stuff. God is still taking care of business. See, this is how Paul lived his life. He was always with the Lord because he knew the Lord was always with him. He knew that as the Lord was with him, he could go through the challenges of life. He was realizing that God had given him the strength and given him the ability, had given him the power or the grace to abide through every situation that he would ever face. I have found most are currently in going through, or just coming out of some tough time. And I think I could say that about everyone in this room. You're going through, you're currently in, or you're coming out of something. And I wish I could be the purveyor of better news, but the reality is we will go through, abide in, and come out of something again. It's called life. It's called where we are. Maybe you were called into the office and they said, I got to let you go. Maybe the doc said, I got the results back. I need you to come talk to me. A few months ago, my wife was going through a routine inspection. Anyway, a routine thing. I don't know what they call it. So. <laughs> How do I look in red? I feel like I'm just blistering over right now. <laughs> and the nurse, you know, her doctor, very frantically said, I, I found something that's not good. And uh, she immediately started throwing the C word around. Well, my wife called me, and she's, she's not freaked out, but she's kind of numb. And... So the doctor, which most doctors don't do, she started personally making phone calls to radiologists in these different, different places. She showed her what she saw very noticeably there. The ultrasound shows exactly what she sees. 
She said, this is not a good thing. Well, within a three-hour, she called me. We prayed. I called a couple other folks. We prayed. She went, got the, she was in those machines that go boo, 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 you know, the, the tube things. She was in one of those things. and MRI, thank you. And she was going through all this stuff, and she's just praying. Say, God, I know you're not done. I know you've called me. I know we're doing the work you've called us to do. And she just starts praying and saying, ain't no devil in hell going to stop this. Amen. So you know what? Three hours later, the doctor calls her and says, you know, I'll, I'll let you know just as soon as I know. The lady at the doctor's office said, it'll take two weeks. Two days. Two, I'm sorry, two days. Two days. two days to get her results. Please forgive me. Two days to get her results. And her doctor's got her on the phone. Once again, how many doctors call you like that? She called right away and said, I'm not sure, but it'd be a couple days. And, and as she was there, she was getting another phone call. She said, hold on. It's them right now. And she took a verbal and said, they found nothing. My wife has the picture in hand of what she found. And she said, but the doctor said, you know, well, we can't, you know, we don't know for sure because we haven't got the, the, the diagram back, the picture back. And all of a sudden she's on the phone and she said, and that could take a little while, but hold on. It's coming through my machine right now. Amen. See, these things don't happen in the natural. But one thing about this little chick that's my wife, sorry if that's bad, <laughs> this wonderful little chickadee, <laughs> my sweetheart. <laughs> Why don't you finish the service, Pastor? I'm just going to sit down. (laughs) She pulled up the paper and said, there's nothing on the paper. On the report. On the report that just came from the radiologist. My wife has the report that has it, but now it's not there. She has both reports now, if you want to test the waters. Folks, what happens? Does everything turn out that way? No. But the reality is she knows where her God is. It doesn't mean you don't if it doesn't turn out that way. But Paul said, I've come to realize God's grace is sufficient. And if I would stop getting perplexed and frustrated and aggravated and just know that if I'm in it, God's, God, I'm here for some reason. You're not alone. The Lord's standing with you. He's standing next to you. In Matthew 28, he said, I'm with you until the very end of the age. In Hebrews 13 on the screen, he said, be satisfied in the thing you have. And I know we'd like to take it and say, well, it says don't love money. Also, I have to be satisfied with the money I have. That's not what he's talking about. You have to read the whole passage in context. Look what he says. Be satisfied with what you have. What's he say you have? A fact that I will never leave you. I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. See, that's where the satisfaction comes. 
whether you have much or have little, I will never fail you. I will never leave you. Leave you. Everything seems to be falling apart. I will never fail you. I will never leave, abandon you. Maybe everything has just been chaotic in your life. I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. Paul pleaded, God, take this away. And he said, I realized in my weakness, that's when I become the strongest. Right now, we belong to God. Right now. I wonder if we can stand to our feet all over this building. (laughs) We've already had a wonderful altar service. We've already prayed and asked God to forgive us during the preparation up to communion. And so I'm just going to pray. But I'm going to share a couple things quickly. Right now. Say that with me, would you please? Right now. I belong to God. And he will never let me down. See, this is what Romans 10, 13 says. All that call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That word call means to trust in, to yield to, and to rely upon. And if we will trust in the Lord with all of our heart, yield to him in all of our ways, and rely upon him in all of our days, he said, I will keep you. I will help you. I will strengthen you. This is God's promise. This is God's word. And this is God's grace. Can you say amen? Amen. Father, I pray over your people today. And I thank you that it's not by might or our own power, but it's by your mercy. God, it's by your grace that we stand. Without your grace, we fall. And Father, this morning, I thank you that you would help each one of us God, as we leave this place, God, we may leave here and face some of the same things that we were facing before we came here. But help us, God, to leave here knowing that we can face it anew because we face it through your grace. Understanding that your grace is sufficient. Your power works best when I realize that I can't do it. That's my weakness. That's my inability But in you, I can do all things. That is my strength. That is where I stand. Father, your blessing, your wisdom, your grace upon your people. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast. We are